How y'all doing? How y'all doing? This is Alvin with Trying Success on the Old Fashioned Health Network. Good health inside and out. This is a guest that y'all have seen before, but he's uh, up to his game some more, so I had to try to catch up with him. I, I can only see what he's doing on social media, so I had to track him down and get him back on the show again. My main man, Justin, how you doing, man? Happy to have you on the show today. I'm good. I'm good. Hey man, for the people that don't know, that don't know you or had not heard heard us uh, talk before, tell them a little bit about yourself and uh, what you do and who you are. So, name is Justin McKinney. Um, outside of working in the agriculture field, I also uh, do some some real estate and cryptocurrency investing, as well as uh, I run a nonprofit called Hero Techniques, where we focus around STEM education and, and giving back to. Uh, to our community in that fashion. Okay. All right. So um, I had to get Justin on because he, uh, I, don't, I don't know if he's doing the real estate piece. At least we didn't interview about that. I think we interviewed about the nonprofit the last time, but I wanted to have him on my black history series because Justin is doing a lot of good things specifically for the community as well. And I was impressed with it because it's his book thing he was doing when I first met you. And I want to ask you a little bit about how's that still going uh, and tell him a little bit about the whole thing he was doing with books. So we actually uh, last last holiday season we went around and, and collected books and we raised about three hundred books had a had a major contribution from uh, the DeKalb County Library System and we ended up giving those back to foster home uh, communities. So just trying to you know help to improve the the literacy rate uh, for for our younger youth. Um, they say you know a lot of your future is determined around your around the third grade reading level. So, uh, you know, we really wanted to target a lot of those books that, that allow for, you know, uh, our younger crowd to be able to to have some kind of uh, understanding and, and literacy rate to, to be able to increase. Man, and I, I appreciate what you do because, you know, we got this whole big thing now going on about uh, uh, the CRT and, and critical race theory and all that kind of thing. And the fact that, that what you try to do so much for the community and for to have the youth out there looking to see somebody look like them or, uh, you know, to be trying to do so much is that's why I'm so impressed with you because you always, every time I see you doing something on social media, it's business related. You're trying to get it. You're trying to get it. And you have your whole team doing the same thing. I was like, is everybody like that? I mean, your whole team is tight, man. And I really appreciate that. And love seeing it, man. Love seeing it. So today we're going to talk about, uh, uh, some financial stuff and we're going to talk about some real estate. So if y'all can see the background, we got a little Bitcoin, we got the NFTs it, and, uh, yeah, and we have the, the key. So we're going to try to cover a little bit of this uh, for a little short period of time because Justin is the guru. I'm going to say about all this. When I saw him doing NFTs, I was like, I got to talk to him. Man. I got to talk to this man. So I know you probably a little bit more uh, in it, but we'll just go through the real estate really quick and then we're going to dive into the NFTs and, you know, a little bit more about uh, financial investment. So what are you doing on the real estate side right now? So right now we're uh, in the process of, of hosting these Airbnbs. So uh, we're looking at acquiring more units uh, and then also trying to gain and build a portfolio of rental income. Uh-huh. And uh, with, with the areas and, and with the rentals, you know, the goal with all of it is passive income. So I want to get to the point where we're able to have enough units to continue to run the business on its own and you can, hire and place operation managers and hire and place a team around that structure. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also having property management to, to acquire and, and kind of uh, manage the day-to-day on units, looking at trying to scale and, and also do some development projects in the space where, uh, you know, we might be able to do some affordable housing units around around 30 to 40 
uh, units that we build out mm-hmm. as well. So, so speaking about affordable uh, housing, I saw an article that you and I won't necessarily condemn the person because since we probably don't, I don't know if you know that much about it, but I saw something about J- Dave Chappelle that went to a, a you saw, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so we're not talking about Dave, but I do want to know, uh, from a real estate standpoint, and you do more real estate, of course, than I do. So, do you see where affordable housing is really important and to, 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 to make it a mixed use type of thing and, uh, do you think that's that's important uh, to do it like that, or do you think it should be where if there's a higher tier of a development, then that should just stay with those people, and then for the lesser income people? So if you got people that that's uh, making over five hundred thousand plus as income, and then you have those that's maybe making one hundred and eighty thousand income, do you think they should be able to live cohesively together in in development, or do you think there's a there's a, a concern that the people have the property are concerned about their property value going down because there's a stigmatism about people that make less money. What's your thoughts? Yeah, that's that's one of the age old, you know, problems that, that we've had with a lot of uh, affordable housing is, um, you know, typically you have to you only have a certain percentage of those units that are at market rate. Mm-hmm. And so. But but with that being done that way, you know, allows you to stabilize the asset and you can have, you know, your your properties that that are really close or really far below the area median income. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, this really is what is what allows for these great affordable housing opportunities. You don't have to have these these uh, these buildings and these projects where, you know, they end up getting not mistreated or they cut corners on development. You know, you can really be able to put into it everything that needs to be done because the assets are already stabilized based on what's what's at market rate. And you know that you'll be able over time to continue to increase those units that, you know, the market demands for let's say in Atlanta twenty two hundred dollars per unit, mm-hmm. but you want to come in and, and then uh maybe you have forty five of the units like that and then you have the remaining majority of the units uh at, at the affordable housing rate, you know, those that 45 percent of the units at, at market rate will, you know, you'll be able to increase that rent over time and, you know, really move with the demanders in the market so that you can allow for people to have that opportunity to come in and, and remain affordable. So I think it's something that, you know, it's a necessity, honestly. Um, and and especially with the allocation of tax credit dollars, right. uh, you know, those those type of things help to make these projects, you know, possible. But um you know, I definitely think it's something that's that's necessary in this space. And, and you know, the thing about it is, uh, what I would tell people that may be concerned about moving someone with a lower income into a development where you, where the person may be making a lot more money, I've not always been at this particular pri- uh, uh, financial bracket that I'm in now, and not that I'm even in a black even one way that's out there, but the way I was raised, even with just my, uh, coming from a single family home. Uh, with with three siblings at the time, we kept our you know the routine for our parents was get up, clean up your house, clean up your bed, make up your bed. She plans for Anita Baker, whatever it is, playing the background. But you kept your dwellings clean. So what's bothering me is that for some reason people that may be making a lot of money, doing well, for some reason have either forgotten that they used to have to live the same way at some point, or have forgotten that everybody that lives at a lower that have less income does not mean that they're not able to keep their dwellings right you know and you can even go and look at even some of the history that if we go back further in our own history that where we had little uh 
less housing, maybe one room or two rooms or something. Those areas were clean. You know, those people still kept kept their area clean and nice and everything and, and not torn down. Uh, most of the time, in my opinion, when stuff is torn down, it's come, somebody has an old car or something like that that they just didn't take care of. Or you might have a couple of families who had some of the kids that's bad, but that's a disciplinary problem. That's not necessarily mean that's across the, across the board. You know, so if anybody's listening to this, I just want you all to know that that doesn't... <laughs> Mean to be everything, but we can't fight with, with nobody with that dollar amount. So we're gonna move on. Exactly. Uh, so uh, NFTs, man, NFTs. Tell me where you are with that and uh, your thoughts on it. So uh, NFTs, right now, my thoughts on those are, you know, we're just scratching the surface, honestly, on what NFTs are, what they can be. Um, right now, I'm at the point of pushing the educational portion of it, trying to get people to just ask the question of what is it? A lot of people are dismissive. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, you know, just don't see the value. I'm not paying for a JPEG, but I really like to go stand on my soapbox and, and, you know, just really run off on, on, you know, hey. why I think it's important. And, um, I got you on here. What you got? Yeah. So, you know, with NFTs, so they're at an absolute basic level um, or one that's that's kind of common already to our marketplace is the NFT is a representation of ownership. Mm-hmm. And so we've never had the ability to, to actually have a digital asset. Mm-hmm. You know, you might be able to say you own something, but now with the with the actual integration in the blockchain, you can now have verifiable proof that you are the owner of something digital. That's that's all the NFTs basically are. Mm-hmm. But their launch pad are these JPEGs, which essentially, you know, just provide the representation. So it's basically like the same thing as a stock certificate. There's no way to really say that you own that stock. You can say you own 100 shares of Apple, but until you have that actual stock certificate to, to show the representation, then that's when we actually know that you own all those shares of Apple. So with an, with an NFT, it's a non-fungible token. Mm-hmm. So if you look at like Bitcoin, you know, that's a fungible token. Mm-hmm. All Bitcoin is identical. So they're all valued at the exact same thing. You can trade them the same because you have this, all the circulating supply. It's worth the same thing, the forty-three or $44,000 that's worth right now. Mm-hmm. And then with NFTs, they're non-fungible. So they're still the same tokens, but they're identical. I mean, they're not identical. They're unique. Mm-hmm. So you can't necessarily value what my NFT is worth and yours at the same price. All we can base it off of is what was the cheapest one out of this 20000 collection. And so that's where you have things that come in like the floor price was set um, for the cheapest ones. And so the, the largest NFT project right now are the Board Ape Yacht Club. And so with, with these, you know, you got people like Justin Bieber buying uh, into it at million dollars, you know, and, and people aren't necessarily understanding exactly why, but in this space, 
the the Board Ape Yacht Club is the biggest brand and probably will continue to be the biggest lifestyle brand in the NFT space. And so with with the Board Ape Yacht Club, you know, you have access to uh to their yacht party events, uh their their ape fest in real life events, which is, you know, another thing that people like uh with NFTs, but you know, there you are, you have to look at the underlying utility of a lot of these projects. A lot of them, you know, it's it's easy to to make an NFT and put it out to the public, but to actually what you're actually doing is you're investing into a small company. That's the way that you have to look at it because you know when they, when somebody drops a project, is putting out a project in the NFT space is essentially the same thing as IPO. Uh, you know, you're you're basically buying shares in this project. And so the project has to present something in return to you, which in the space we call utility. And so if you have a certain utility around this project, like with the board apes, you know, you have the opportunity to maybe meet celebrities that are also in the club, be on the yacht party. But then the the, the real utility that a lot of people aren't talking about is the 100% rights to the IP. So now... Whereas you went from, uh, you may just own this JPEG, but it's one, it's a recognizable brand in Bored Apes. And two, you can do whatever you want to with that imaging. So if you want to go and, and make a 3D animation short film and put it out on YouTube with your character, you can do that. If you want to make a clothing line based off of your character and now it's a recognizable brand and you know now your character is a logo and you can do all these other things, you can do that. And so that's also the utility that's important that a lot of people are understanding is that this really provides you a platform and a starting point to do whatever. I saw somebody yesterday who he's selling rugs of his entity, made a rug of it, and now he's selling that off as a brand. He didn't do that two days ago before or whenever before he bought the NFT, you know, but he owns it so he can do whatever he wants to with those imaging rights. Wow. And it becomes valuable when he when uh when it's used, right? I mean, the more he uses it, is it increase the value? It makes it makes it more valuable because of this recognition. It makes the collection more valuable because now people may want to come in and get something similar, or somebody may find one that they like that looks a little bit better than what he has. So it it definitely uh definitely increases value. So Justin, it sound like it sound like you you could teach this class. Uh, I've been told that, but you know, I just, I just want to to make sure that we're on the right side of of how this trend goes. Oftentimes, the trend will peak and kind of go past the point where now the barrier to entry is kind of hard. Mm-hmm. But I want to make sure right now this is the time that you know we could jump in front of the wave and really be creators in the space and really make a big name for ourselves. Because you, you've only had so many projects or you only had so much integration with NFTs that, you know, this, the opportunities are, are really limitless at the, at the moment. So do this for me. I want you to, if you can. So I come to you. I said, Justin, I want to buy or invest in an NFT from the ground. What would the process be? So... Um, if we're talking like an established project already, you just want to buy something on the marketplace. Uh, the first thing I say is you need to download at OpenSea. You need to download a MetaMask wallet. And these are all mobile iOS apps. So it's it's really simple. 
And then you also need to download something like Coinbase. So Coinbase is going to be your on-ramp to be able to actually purchase the crypto. Mm -hmm. Then you're going to have to transfer that crypto from Coinbase to your wallet, which is literally just like you cash apping somebody some money. Mm -hmm. It's the same real easy process. And then you take your MetaMask wallet, you'll connect it to OpenSea. OpenSea is the marketplace. You can purchase all NFTs. And so once you connect your wallet to OpenSea, now you can go shopping. You can figure out which collection you like, whatever you want to buy. And uh, as long as you got enough money in your wallet, then you're good to go. And so so I let's so, so I take those steps. I buy something. And let's say it costs me. I don't know, just the lowest amount of money it could cost. I don't know what that would be. Uh, most collections will start at like $200, but, you know, somewhere okay. in there. So I buy something for $200. How is that $200 going to turn into value? Is it is it going to increase because of what? So let's say you're, you're buying into a collection that has maybe 10000 pieces, 10,000 tokens, right? Mm -hmm. And the cheapest one in the collection you just bought for $200. Okay. So there's, and, and we'll say maybe half of them are off the market. 10, uh, you know, it's 10,000, maybe 5,000 people. Nobody wants to sell. The other 5,000, they're just in it for the profit. They want to take, they want to buy that, that token that they purchased and then they want to flip it for, you know, 50% of the value, right? So you may have the, the cheapest one after the one you purchase mm -hmm. that's actually for sale on the marketplace may be like $400. And so now you bought the cheapest one so you could turn around and sell that right next to the one that's the cheapest on the marketplace currently. So the, if the next cheapest one is $400, you can take yours, you bought it at 200 and instantly list it again sell it for $400 or you could be like the other 5,000 and keep it off the market because you're a fan of what the project is doing. You like the team, you like the art and you got some kind of plan that, that you're thinking that you could do with, uh, with your token. Okay. So that was, that was, <clears throat> that was me going in with some money to buy one. So now what if I wanted to create an NFT? So there's two ways that you can do it. Um, so like if you're if you're a company, uh, let's just take let's just take the radio station for example, and you guys want to drop an NFT project to maybe everybody who's already been subscribing to the network. Um, you could easily take an image, go to OpenSea, upload it, set the quantity, and and set a price and push it out. And now that's, it's just like uploading a picture on Instagram almost. Now there's the other portion to where if you want to run a completely independent NFT project where you have to do the sourcing and the coding behind all of that um, and the artwork creation. Mm -hmm. So if you, if you wanted to go that route to where you could have and create kind of build your own community in the NFT space, mm -hmm. it's going to require some coding. Okay. So I, I, I was familiar with, um, the code, uh, to write, uh, to write some, I know a little bit about the code, 
but I'm not as in, as versed with it because it takes time to have to keep up with the the newest things that's coming up. When it first came out, I started trying to keep up with the code, and I could do it and uh, write agreements. But then every time I turn around, something else changes. I'm like, okay, I have to follow this to con- you know to continue to watch the, the trend because the code that you to write a contract that I when I was when I first started trying to keep up with it has changed already. Like I was like, okay, so these codes they keep changing. The code itself doesn't change, but the way you write the contract uh, keeps it advancing. You know, I'm like, okay, so this would be something that you have to keep constantly watch. So I decided I wouldn't try to keep up with that. I'll just wait, contact, contact somebody like you suggested. Listen, I want to do an NFT. What do I need to do? So, so yeah. can you can you hire people, or are there people you hired to uh, contract out? Say, okay, would someone contract you and say, okay, I, Justin, I want to contract you to help me get uh, NFT started, or how does that work? Yeah, so there there are, but but not really. Um, okay. There there are people that that you can. It's really hard to find people that you really. Trust in the space. Uh, and, you know, the the whole thing about the blockchain is a trustless space. You know, I don't have to trust anybody. All I do is I have to trust a smart contract, trust the code. Yeah. Uh, and so that's one thing that, that I've been working on uh, with a couple of my colleagues, uh, you know, just really wanted to help people with with this go to market strategy of, you know, being able to take it from actual concept to reality of being able to, okay, if you want to push out this project, you want this many pieces, you want to focus around this, you know, let's help you push it out. We do all the coding in-house, uh, the 3D animation, we do all in-house, and uh, also the artwork. So uh, something we're working on right now, we're focusing on our own projects. So, you know, we really want to have proof of concept out. And then we're also testing across a couple of different blockchains, right. which is which is the part that's taking the longest just because, you know, some of them have their own different uh, programmer languages. So we're having to learn these programmer languages and and um, and really learn how to, you know, put a push out effective projects. Uh, I know that there's three different languages I think they were using at one point, but they still do the same contract, same contract concept. And I only knew one of them. <clears throat> but once you learn one, you pretty much if you ever learn one. It's just a tweak of learning the other because they all the formats are the same. But I think one of the things that concerns me about NFT that is this is the is the keys uh, that that is really really important that concerns me about especially when you're doing Bitcoin and stuff like that. If you don't own your keys, then you kind of if you don't remember your keys, you're in trouble. If you lose your keys, you're in trouble. So I I, I think people sometimes when it comes to doing NFTs or either Bitcoin and stuff like that, if you if you don't have don't know that whoever you're doing business with, if you give them your keys, you gave them your everything. You gave them everything. <clears throat> and people that don't understand that, if they first get into Bitcoin and NFTs and they turn all this information over and then they gave them their, their keys. And I, I think that's probably one of the concepts that I'm worried about. Um, people, especially look like me, if you go to somebody and say, okay, I need you to design this. I need you. To, I want to buy some Bitcoin and I'm going to use uh, crypto and I'm going to use this, that, and the third. And I was like, okay, some of these people, if you don't own your keys, if you if you if they don't if you, I think I think it may be uh, I think it's Coinbase. I'm not exactly sure, but one of them you don't have your keys. You don't have access to your keys. Crypto. One of them, I think one of them I know some of them it's you don't you don't have access to your keys. And so if you don't have access to your keys, you can have a lot of money, but 
it could you can lose you, a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah, and that's uh, that's one of the things that's, I often tell people. That's why I mentioned Coinbase. Mm-hmm. Uh, Coinbase is one I like. Right. Uh, it's very easy to use. You know, the fees may be a little high, but but you know, it's better to me honestly than uh, than the Crypto dot com or or using Robinhood. Robinhood, a hundred percent, stay away from. You don't you don't own any crypto on Robinhood. Nope, you don't. You don't. You don't own crypto. You don't even have access to your keys. I, I've told yeah. people, I said, you got, you have cryptocurrency at Robinhood. Can you transfer that? Do you have access to your keys? And they don't even know what I'm talking about. No, but they've got no. all they, they've got all this Bitcoin. But that's 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 the reason why it's important to to you know to kind of speak to someone like yourself that's that's real familiar with it. Uh, and I am definitely going to be calling you because I got an idea about something that I think we both can work with together. Yeah, and everything. Sure. So man, I, man, I have I, you know. I don't want to keep you because I know you have something else to do. Thank you so much. And uh, you are coming back, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. we're waiting on your podcast, man. We had talked about <laughs> I mean, we put extra lights in the studio and everything. Just, uh-huh. you ain't, you ain't, we're waiting on you, man. Man, it's it's crazy because uh, I was actually talking with one of my friends the other day. Um, he was telling me, you know, it's just got to put more content out. You know, I kind of, I was doing it at one point to, yeah. to an extent and then, you know, I, I really after we had that, um, well, during our last conversation, I was I just said I wanted to really focus more on on the business, more on actually, you know, producing and, and being in the space uh, versus just being being uh, and talking on content. But you know, I think I'm I'm at that point now where I definitely would, would love to get back and because uh, I'm I'm planning on doing some YouTube stuff around this NFT space, just some real high level, you know, just. You know, just yeah. the intros basically, so people can get people started. So, um, oh, I, I got something for you. We, I'm, I, as soon as I finish this podcast, I gotta call you right quick because I gotta tell you about something. But, but I, I got something for you. Uh, right. So let me ask you this uh, real quick. I want I want people to understand. Can you explain to them the difference between uh, Bitcoin and NFT? And when you say Bitcoin, NFT, and blockchain, can you mm. can you kind of scale that across so they understand? <laughs> Yeah, so uh, I'll start with the fundamental portion, which is the blockchain. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't have any any of this without blockchain, and what and just all blockchain is is it's a security layer built on top of the internet. This is everything we're talking is Web three So you've got your infrastructure with Web two servers, networks, all of that good stuff. You know that, that we've been using right. since two thousands. Now we're adding another layer on top of it, which is security and validation. Right. And so within each one of these individual blocks, um, which, you know, there are different companies, different companies, they're in the business of selling blocks is what I like to say. Mm-hmm. You got Ethereum, uh, which is a layer one. You got Avalanche, which is another layer one. Um, you've got Solana, which is another layer one. And their businesses, they, they want to allow for the validation of your transaction on their blockchain, low fees, or besides Ethereum, Ethereum has kind of high fees, but they also have some layer twos. When I say fees, um, I just mean like you have to pay in order to process a transaction. It's like shipping and handling on a package. Exactly. You got to pay UPS. You got to pay FedEx mm-hmm. to ship your package. You got to pay the blockchain to execute your transaction. Right. And so, um, that's the initial layer. And then 
each one of these blockchains, Bitcoin even has its own blockchain, but each one of these blockchains has a currency that pretty much is the uh, initiator for the transaction. And so a lot of these blockchains are valued differently. And so that's where you have these different price of the coins where Ethereum is at 3000 Bitcoin is at 30000 And their value is just based on how much their transaction was well, based on marketplace. I mean, of course, what does somebody want to pay for it? But also um, the value is also looked into some of these blockchains based on how much daily revenue is that blockchain generating? Mm-hmm. A blockchain like Avalanche may, may be doing $300,000 a day, but then you also may have a blockchain like Ethereum doing $30 million a day in right. transaction. And so um, that's where a lot of those price validation points come in. And then the last one we said was NFTs, right? So Break the difference. Uh, blockchains, uh, Bitcoin, and NFT. Okay, and then so... So now you go from having your your Bitcoin, which is the fungible token, all of them are identical, to now you step aside and you have the non-fungible tokens, which all of them are unique. And so that's where your real difference comes in. Um, it's just in the way that they're classified. They're pretty much uh, the same, but classified differently. Um, Bitcoin is... It's decentralized and a lot of a lot of these other concepts are as well. But uh, with NFTs, you're more so participating in something that's ran and led like a company. Okay. Um, it's like it's almost like buying shares into some of these projects. You want to have you want to be in belief of what's going on, um, which which is similar to some of these these uh, these blockchains. You know, you're buying into some of what the team is doing, but. But it's it's uh, evaluated a little bit differently because they have revenue models that, that you can look at. I don't think it could have been broken down any better than that. So that was that was man. I appreciate that. You know, I uh, I always try to explain that Bitcoin is uh, satoshis because you need the satoshis to build up the Bitcoin, and then right. NFT doesn't need anything but an image. And the blockchain, right. just like you say, it needs a security. Uh, so we man. Thank you so so very much. And uh, one of the blockchains that, I'm, that I've been trying to watch is a uh, Sol is a uh, what is it? Um, Sol I was Solana. Solana. Yeah. yeah. Man, that thing go up and down. And one while I was riding so good. You wake up in the morning like fourteen. How did it go down fourteen percent? What the heck is going on? <laughs> so and one of my buddies, yeah. you got to get this. Man, listen, I, I can't I can't follow that because unless you put you just put your money and just leave it alone. And and you know it's a, I guess it's the difference between investing in the blockchain. And investing, investing into Bitcoin, you know, there's two different, two different investments, uh, and NFT. So, but I don't know about them, but we'll talk about them offline. Oh yeah, definitely, yeah, so definitely. Thank, thank you so much. Can you, if the, do you, can you uh, let the people know how if they, if they want to reach you or watch your social media content? How to, how can they reach you? Uh, it's JT McKinney ten uh, on Instagram and just JT McKinney on uh, on Twitter. And the YouTube handle uh, will probably be crypto sponsored. Um, that's as part of the the new uh, ENS domain name that that I'm, I'm building up now. So, okay, Justin, thank you so very much. I appreciate no you. Man. Looking forward to seeing you here in the studio soon, man. And I'm going to hit yes. you really quick yes. after we close this out. Thank you so much, man. And for any time, you're always welcome. All right. I appreciate it. Appreciate. Thank you for having me. Don't y'all forget to like, share, and follow. I always kind of forget that. And so, you know, that, see, that's the benefit of you coming here because you have a team that you don't have to do everything. 
because I would have forgot all that part. <laughs> man, thank you so much. Have a good one. All right. No problem. All right. Thank you. All right. All right. Thank you.